Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. For us this morning, um, if you'd like to follow along in Scripture, I'm going to invite you to actually to turn to two places this morning if you'd like to, to be a part. There's two places where I feel like if you're following along and if you've got your Bible with you or your Bible app, two places where you might want to underline something, where you might want to highlight something if that's something you do. And so I'm going to invite you to turn to them both. Um, first is Lamentations chapter 3. And so if you're looking for Lamentations, if you open your Bible kind of right to the middle, if you have a paper Bible, if you have a, your and, and the app, you just look for it. Um, But if you have your paper Bible, if you open it kind of right to the middle, you're going to find Isaiah. And then if you go to Isaiah a little bit further, you'll find Jeremiah and then Ezekiel and then Lamentations. Um, And so Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those are all really big books and Lamentations is really small. If you want to find 2 Timothy, it's closer to the end of your Bible and you can kind of work backwards from there. But this week we are bringing our series on knowing God to a close. This is the last week we're going to be talking about this specific topic, not necessarily because there we've done it. We, we, we've figured it out. We, we've completed our knowledge and understanding of who God is, and we never need to talk about this again because now we all know. Um, we could continue week after week to unpack the character and the majesty and the glory and the love of our Father in heaven, but we also need to talk about some other things as well. So we're going to draw this series to a close this morning. Next week, we're going to start into a little mini series for a couple of weeks, just looking at something before we dive into our Easter series. But this week, or, but as we've moved through this time, hopefully we've been able to grow into a deeper understanding of who God the Father is, the first person of the Trinity is. And over the course of the last two months, we've, we've discovered some things that are true about God. God is, is altogether good. He's altogether wise. He's altogether sovereign and powerful. He is existence itself and everything that he does, everything that does, everything that has, everything that will, and everything that exists, exists through him. And we see this huge picture of who God is. But we also discover that God isn't just out there, but God is also in here. He, he, he is humongous, beyond our capable of understanding, and yet he's also intimate with us. He, he is not just loving, but he is what it means to love. He's our perfectly heavenly, or he's our perfect heavenly father. And so as we draw to a close all of these things with one last part of who God is, there's one thing that I want to talk to you about that I think is appropriate in understanding the close of this service because this this part of who God is, it's a part that each and every one of us in our own way is both going to need God to be and it's, both, and it's a promise of who God will be. That in each one of our lives, each and every one, one of us has and is going to, again, need to rely on God to be this for us. 
that each and every one of us is going to need and to have to trust and believe and come to God out of this. But as we look, we're also going to discover that this is a promise for us that when we need God to be this, he will be this. And last week I talked to you about Lamentations chapter 3. And, and I talked to you about the uncomfortable, raw honesty that's found in that chapter. And what I want to do to begin our time this morning, I want to read you just a selection of some of the verses from this chapter. Because actually, as we move through this chapter, it's going to bring us to a really important understanding of our topic this morning. But just as a point of clarity, as we move through these couple of verses here, um, we're going to read a lot about he. And what I want to make sure that you know, because as we move through these verses, if I don't make sure you know this, you may be very quickly to be like, well, he can't be. But every time we're talking about he here, he's talking about God. And so as we move through these verses, it may be very easy for you to go, oh, well, he, surely he's not talking about God. But just so you know, Jeremiah, the one who wrote this book, he is talking about God. And so we read, we're just going to read verse 10 through 18. They're short little verses, so this isn't going to be a big long thing. But what it says in Lamentations chapter 3 is this. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mocked me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped in the Lord. That's Lamentations chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. Now, verses 1 through 9 are also like that, um, but I didn't think we wanted to read all of that this morning. This isn't exactly the most wonderful way to start your day. Amen, who's with me? You know, this isn't that. It's like, whoa, okay. This is a way to start a service. Um, but this is the prophet Jeremiah at what probably has to be probably the lowest point in his life. This, this incredible vivid imagery is of someone profoundly disappointed in their, what their walk with the Lord has turned to. That, that this, is, this is a raw honesty that, that for most of us, we would never verbalize these things. We would never talk about our relationship with God in these kind of terms because that would just bring on even more layers of guilt of not only am I thinking it but now I would say no 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 we can't we can't say that but this is a man who is disillusioned with with where his journey has taken them what they've witnessed as they've journeyed and the effects that all the effects of all that they've gone through but Jeremiah verse after verse laments where God and God's plan has taken him. There is a turning point that comes. As we read through these verses, there's a turning point. There's a moment where everything changes because as Jeremiah speaks and gives verbiage to how he's feeling inside and knows from where he's living, 
But he also knows that there's something bigger than him. So after this incredible, painful, raw honesty, Jeremiah stops looking at himself and he turns and he looks at God. And this is what he says. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Oh, I'm, oh, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Today we're going to talk about what it means that God is faithful. That Jeremiah, at the lowest imaginable point, when you couldn't express the challenge in your life in any more vividly raw terms, as he turns to God, what does he find? That God is faithful. When I say faith, or when I say God is faithful, what I'm saying is that God is dependable. He's trustworthy. He's consistent. He's reliable. He's true to his word. He keeps his promises. And that he will always come through. And for God, his love, his power, his majesty, his justice, his goodness, each of those things is always equally true and always on display. Now, there's, there's lots of places we can turn in the Bible to, to see them talk about God's faithfulness. And if you wanted to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, now you could, you could head there. But we can read all at different places all throughout the Bible. Isaiah will write, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. Moses will write, and he passed in front of, or well, this, Moses will write this about what happened with him. And God, he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious one, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Moses also writes, now therefore, or, or know that therefore the Lord your God, he is the faithful one keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations, to those who love him and keep his commandments. Paul will write, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And in fact, if you go all the way to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, we read about Jesus coming back at the as the judge. And at the very end of history, we have this righteous judge on a white horse, and he has on his robe, and on his robe, there are two words. And do you know what those words are? Faithful and true. There they are. Faithful and true. God could have chosen any two words to describe him there. As he comes as the judge, he could be just, he could be sovereign, he could be righteous, he could be all of these things. But when God comes at the end, when he comes to judge the world, what does he want us to know to be true about him? That he is faithful and true. 
But there, there's the last place that I want to look at this morning for, for our time together, and we're going to unpack this a little bit more, um, is 2 Timothy chapter 2. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, there, there's this wonderful passage that we read. Paul will say, here is a trustworthy saying in verse 11. And then he will give us this saying. And so if we start in verse 11, this is what Paul will say. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. There's a parallel that's happening here that I'm sure you can see. That, that as we move through this, that there's this parallel that if we do this, then he will do that. If we do this, then he will do that. If we die with him. Now, now that doesn't mean like become a martyr. That doesn't mean that we have to die literally, but it's, it's our spirits. If, if we die with Christ, if we will read in the Bible, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. If we die with Christ, if we die to ourselves, then we will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we, if we can continually be faithful to stick out life and to put our trust in him and when things are difficult and when things are hard, we can have our emotions and we can have our reactions. But like Jeremiah, if we say, but then I remember who God is and I remember that, that he's faithful, great is his faithfulness, that if we continue to place our trust and our hope in him, we will discover that, that everything that we've gone through, the pain and, and everything, that somehow in the end it will all be worth it. Because we've endured with him, and so then we get to spend our eternity with him. Now the next one is a little harder to, to get, because it, you can draw some theological points out of this that aren't necessarily accurate. You, you can draw some theological stuff out of this that, that may make us worried and fearful, especially based on the last one, when we read that if we endure, or sorry, if we disown him, he will also disown us. But the connection that, that exists here isn't that somehow you can lose your salvation. That, that if somehow, if, if we walk away from God, that somehow then, then God will remove his salvation from us. That if we go through a, a difficult time in our relationship with the Lord, that if our heart is a little too much like Jeremiah's, that then somehow we're going to just, God's going to go, fine, you're out. That that's not, not what this is teaching us. What, but what it is saying is that if we disown him, that, that if by our actions and our thoughts, our behavior, by the way we live, we have decided that we are no longer going to live for God, if we allow us, or if we, if we take steps to move away from him, he will allow us to move away from him. And when you're not walking with the Lord, friends, you may not lose your salvation but you can lose the benefits of being close with the Lord. That as we move away from God, God doesn't hold our salvation as like a carrot in front of us and say, you better behave or I'm taking it away. That we were grocery shopping yesterday and, and we, were at, uh, we were actually buying some, some stuff for the, the drive. And we were at, at Superstore and they had these fancy little bottles of pop. 
and our kids really wanted them. And I said, oh, can we get, there was like blueberry cream soda and all, all of this stuff. And we, we had said to them, you, you can have them or we'll buy them for you and you can have them after we're done shopping and after we take Jasper for a walk. Then you can have your drink. That the drink was a little carrot at the end of this so that when they started to misbehave, we could go, hey, do you not want your pop? Oh, yes, I do. I'm sorry. That, that's not what God does with our salvation that somehow, oh, I'm going to take it. Oh, I'm going to take it. But what we need to recognize, understand, and, and just internalize in our lives is that if we walk away from the Lord, we can lose the benefits of being close to the Lord. That if I'm not close to God, my ability to experience his peace, it's going to be really hard for me to experience the peace of God that comes from being close to God if I'm not close to God. The blessings of the Lord won't be mine if I'm not choosing to live close to the Lord. Now, he will keep calling us back. He will keep, we, we look at the, the parable of the prodigal son. He never stopped being the son. And when he came home, he was welcomed home. But there were times when he was not living like who he was. And he lost the benefit of being who he was. But we can't pretend like us walking away from the Lord won't have consequences on our relationship with the Lord. But this is where we come to the promise in all of this. That, it, that this is where we come to this understanding of what it means that God will be faithful. That even if we have disowned him and even if we've lost all of the goodness that comes from, from being close to God in our lives, then we come to verse 13. If we are faithless, if we walk away, if we have disowned him, if we have done everything in our, our power to not be who we're called to be and to live from our own place, if we are faithless, he will reject us. No. If we are faithless, friends, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. In the face of our faithlessness, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Remember what we read earlier in Lamentations. When the words of Jeremiah reflect our heart's cry, as Jeremiah turned his mind and his heart back to the Lord, what did Jeremiah find? Judgment, anger, rejection? No. When he said this, I recall to mind what he saw when he turned his heart towards God was God's great faithfulness. And it's so important that we see why. That why does God remain faithful? Is it just a choice that he makes that he could change his mind on at any point? That God had been faithful, but look at how messed up we are. That is one thing for God to remain faithful in Jeremiah's day, but, but look at us. Can God, why does God remain faithful? Because he can't disown 
himself. God cannot be who he is not. And who God is, that's not based on who we are. Who God is, is who God is. And God is faithful, not because we've deserved faithfulness. God is faithful because he is faithful. In the face of our struggles, failures, and weaknesses, God remains faithful to us. See, in my weakness, I can ruin my marriage. In my weakness, I can walk away from my marriage. In my weakness, I, I can want to disown my children. In my weakness, I can struggle with addiction. In my weakness, I can struggle with lust. In my weakness, I can struggle with workaholism. In my weakness, I can struggle with value. In my weakness, I can look for love and acceptance in all of the wrong places. But in the midst of our weakness, we still have a God who is faithful. And instead of running to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography, to whatever else we may look to fill the holes that weakness has left in our lives, in the face of our faithlessness, when our whole spiritual life is falling apart, when we've messed up again and maybe we're even walking away from God, maybe we're even running away from God and we think there's no hope, all we see is a black hole and our life is so hard that we've decided we don't even care about all of this. In the middle of our most extreme faithlessness, there is God with his arms wide open ready for you to come back to him, not with judgment in his eyes, but with an unending love. The last scripture that I want to share with you this morning really, really highlights for this, and it's going to help us bring our, our time to a conclusion this morning. But it's found in, in Hebrews chapter 4. And if you want to go to Hebrews as you turn to 2 Timothy, just keep going a little bit further and you'll come to a book called Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. In the preceding verses, it'll talk about how we've got a great high priest in Jesus who, who understands and is, who's able to, to, to bring us closer to God. And in verse 16, it'll say this. Let us then approach the, our God's throne of grace with confidence. We are invited to not just come to our Father, to come to God, but to enter into the very presence of God, to the very throne room of heaven. You are invited into the very throne room of heaven. With confidence. What a profound thought that is. That you are welcomed into the very throne room of God and you can walk in with confidence, 
with your head held high, with your chin up, knowing you belong there. That's why we have the confidence, is because we belong there. And so then what does it look like for us to enter into the throne room of heaven? When are we invited to come in and do this? When, when are we invited to enter boldly? At our best, right? At our highest moment. The, the moments where, where we look back on our life and we go, this is a moment where I feel like I've got it all together. I was raising my hands in church this morning and when the congregation clapped, so did I. And it was great and I feel like I really, I, I feel so close to God. I can enter in boldly with my head held high. God, did you see me this morning? Woohoo! We did it together, God. Let's see what the rest of the verse says. When do we enter into his presence boldly? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When do we get to enter boldly? Like we belong. Like this is where we were always created to be. When do we get to enter boldly? boldly into the throne room of God, into the throne room of grace? When do we come into the presence of our Heavenly Father and know, I belong here in our moment of need? When we need mercy and when we need grace, we can enter into the throne room of heaven knowing we belong here. Because we've been invited in. We're called to enter boldly, not when we're at our highest, at our best, but when we're in need, when we're in our depth of need. Now, we're called to enter boldly, not arrogantly, but we are invited to enter into God's presence boldly. At our lowest, in our times of deepest need, we can walk into God's presence without any doubt of our welcome, our acceptance, or how our Father will receive us. He's both the omnipotent God and our loving Father. He's omniscient, but he's also filled with compassion and great goodness. He's both the one who created the universe, but he's also our gracious Heavenly Father who sent his Son to die and, ro 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 and rise again so that, so that through faith in him we can come to this throne of grace. Th this is a verse that should make our hearts rejoice because it so clearly paints a picture of who and what we are. And it so confronts the lies that the enemy will tell us. The lies that the enemy will say, that will say, you can't come to God like that. You're not welcome. You're not accepted. Look at you. You cannot come to God like that. And this verse tells us not only can we come to God, but we can come to God boldly. 
because we know that what we need, he has. That as we look, I need, I need mercy, I need grace, we can come boldly because God has what we need. We've come to the right place. We've come where we're supposed to go. If I was to, to just come to your house today and just sit down on your couch and say, I think I'll have something to eat. Bring me something. In fact, not something. Bring me this. Bring me a steak. I want steak. Bring me steak. And I was to be bold. You might be a little confused and put off by that. Who does he think he is? To just show up at our house and demand dinner? What if we don't have steak? What if, what if we don't even eat meat? What, what if? But if I was to go to the keg, and I was to walk in the front door of the keg and sit down and say, bring me a steak, they would say, okay. Because I've come to the right place. I've come to the place that has what I need. We can enter boldly into the presence of God because God has what we need. He has our mercy and our grace. Through Christ, we've received this incredible, gracious invitation to come boldly into God's throne of grace in our time of need. How great is it to know that we can come to God in all that he is that we've talked about over the last months without worry, without regret, without feeling inadequate. We don't have to be held back by our sins, our shortcomings, and our failures. We, we can come with our anger and our frustrations with our life and even with him because he has the answer to every single one of those. We don't need to be worried because of what Jesus did on the cross. We are invited to come to God fearlessly, boldly. We can know that through Jesus, God our Father is accessible to us because of his great faithfulness. The faithfulness of God opens the door to the presence of God in our lives. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go.
separate us. Mm.